What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who grabbed the wrong player for his fifth year breakout bold prediction, aka Mr. Run DMC, aka Mr. Dan McAuliffe, and by the man who gets embarrassed by Jamar Chase and how good he is every single week. I'm talking about at DFF Moose, aka Mr. Mike McAuliffe. Gentlemen, how you doing? Man, we got to start doing these intros for you so we can come up with some nicknames. Because, man, just putting us <laughs> putting us in our place. <laughs> I will bench. still attest I am on record saying Mike Williams was going to do well this year. But <laughs> Corey Davis, not, not uh, living up to his, his namesake right now. But I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Max. I'm, I'm excited for today's episode. It's going to be fun. I mean, if the Mike White era continues, uh, Ooh, Corey Davis could be a superstar. Right. This, this is true. So, this is true. My God, White knows? Lightning. Mike, how about you, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I I can't really uh, can't really <laughs> complain about that that intro right there. Jamar Chase is an absolute beast, and I did not give him enough credit. So T Higgins, still the man, but Jamar Chase is the alpha dog there, no question about it. Jamar Chase saw the tweet that launched your career right. and just said, Mike, personally. I don't need no stripes on the ball to go <laughs> score a lot of touchdowns. Well, now I can say that I'm the reason that Jamar Chase broke out his rookie year. So I have that I think he probably saw that tweet. Exactly. <laughs> and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to show this man. <laughs> Screw you, kid. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So what do great fantasy analysts do when they run out of content in the middle of the season? They do a mock draft. Absolutely. So that's what we did. Got a nice little startup mock to talk about tonight, uh, battling it out with a bunch of sleeper bots and all of us. So quickly, before we jump into all the fun, Tweet of the Week goes to, he changes his real name all the time, but you can find him on Twitter, at an outraged Jew, uh, with one of the best Allen Robinson tweets I've seen all year long. So we will post that in the show notes in the description. But let's not bury the lead. 12-team Superflex tight end premium mock draft gentlemen are you ready to defend your picks oh yes sir so Let's ready bring it all right dan got the 101 or dan drafting out of the one slot mike out of the two slot and me out of the 11 slot I'm not sure there's a lot to talk about in the first round dan goes pat mahomes at the 101 mike follows it up with kyler murray at the 102 and i grab future First round running back in startups everywhere. Najee Harris at the 111. Anything to talk about here, gentlemen? No, I think I think we both agreed that uh, Najee Harris was should be there. It's funny that he wasn't previously, so it's just it's nice to now see. Knowing what we know, he's cemented in the first round uh, for for us as a whole. So uh, you love to see it. Uh, he was a great prospect. So fun, fun future watching for sure. Yeah, I, and I'd agree. Oh, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, I, th- I think Pat Mahomes, no no doubt slam dunk. Kyler Murray at the 102, you could argue possibly Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert if you want to go QB. But I love the pick of Najee Harris at the 11 spot too. I think it's it's clear the amount of volume alone, not only is he extremely talented, but he's just being utilized so much and will be for the next four years. So I love it. Yeah. And just to frame it up before we continue to, to go through all the rounds, this was meant to be like a 2022 and moving forward startup. We weren't trying yep, to like true. slam dunk mm-hmm. some <laughs> rosters for this year. So yeah, exactly. just things to keep in mind. Um, came back with the 202 and I took DeAndre Swift. Uh, Mike at the 211 grabbed AJ Brown and Dan, another one of the top wide receivers, DK Metcalf at the 212. This all still feels pretty chalk to me, gentlemen. Am I right? 
I yeah. agree. Yep. No, I would agree. The only thing I was upset about is that Michael took AJ Brown before me. Uh, but I would gladly that. take uh, DK Metcalf <laughs> as a consolation prize there because uh, I have him neck and neck. So, yeah. AJ Brown is really heating up with Tannehill the last couple weeks, oh, and yeah. he is the the AJ Brown that we were all hoping that we got to see this season. Exactly. So this is where I think it gets fun. So third round reversal, always a nice surprise. Yep. Um, I get the three oh two, so twelve picks later, and I took Jamar Chase. I took him over Hopkins. Took him over Diggs. Took him over Ridley. Took him over Ceedee Lamb. We went over to Mike at the 311, took Joe Mixon, and then, Dan, you rounded out the round with probably some great value here. End of round three, taking C.D. Lamb. Is the Jamar Chase hype out of control, or was I okay taking him at the 302? I think there's no doubt that you did not go wrong here. I mean, you mentioned Hopkins and Diggs uh, still on the board, both awesome. Uh, you, could, you could still argue Diggs has been off to a slow start this year. Um, but you could still argue that he could have been the correct pick there because um, he's only still, what, 27 years old. But with Chase's combination of youth and skill and being attached to Joe Burrow for the rest of his career, who was electric with him in college, I I think you made the right move there, especially having already drafted two running backs. Dan, yeah. as somebody who grabbed CD. What do you think, CD or Jamar Chase going into 2022 and beyond? Oh, man. I mean, it's it's so hard to argue against Chase because of just what he's doing. Um, you didn't see CD br- breaking the amount of records uh, that Jamar Chase is right now. Um, I I mean, I have him side by side, so I'm glad of getting the value with Lamb there. I mean, if I was looking at uh, where you were, it would probably be Chase or Lamb for me, so I'm glad he kind of dropped down there. But Jamar Chase and just doing what he's doing right now, it's it's so hard to argue against it. He's proven everyone wrong. Uh, he doesn't need stripes on the football to catch it. Um, <laughs> it's a great example of just making sure, like, you put in so much process ahead of time with a prospect. Um, don't let off-season or preseason hype or, or work like detractors uh pull you away from investing in a guy that you know is just a talented dude because jamar chase showed so many people um that they were mistaken in their evaluation and saying that he wasn't going to be able to take the next leap to the nfl yeah it's just unfortunate that he was such a high pick in rookie drafts that none of us could uh capitalize and buy low yeah, this it just is doesn't happen so with those true. kind exactly. of players <laughs> So Dan kicked off the fourth round with a guy that we talked about last time, Dan, about where will he fall in the shuffle in 2022. Javante Williams, love that pick. And Mike came back with Chris Godwin at the 4-2. And I took what no Max team is complete without at the (laughs) 4-11, Mr. DJ Moore, still somehow so young after all these years. Um, Mike, anything in this round that jumped out to you? Honestly... Personally, with giving context to it, you know, Dan, when you had to pick, when you went with Javante Williams, you had Josh Jacobs still on the board, uh, David Montgomery, um, Cam Akers, who we'll get to later. Um, you know, <laughs> as far as you definitely need a running back in that in, in that situation. So I think it's a no brainer. I personally was considering taking him over Joe Mixon just because of the youth. And obviously we've seen how great Javante has been when he's been given the chance to be. Um I didn't think that there was much to think about with my pick of Godwin. McLaurin was still on the board, so um, I think it makes sense. Godwin's just getting that insane target share right now with Tom freaking Brady. Um, and Max, I do, I really do like 
um, your pick of DJ Moore there. We'll see what happens with Sam Darnold. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, get back to the form we saw in the first couple of games. But um, I, I like it. He's he's the man. Yeah, I think we've talked about the DJ Moore ascension. Um, yeah, I loved it. So let's get to the fun stuff, right? So curls back around to me. I take Cam Akers, rehab superstar, at the 5-2. Uh, Mike got some great value with Cooper Cup at the 5-11. And Dan took another one of this uh, you know, s- tragedy trio of injured running backs, <laughs> took J.K. Mm-hmm. Dobbins at the 5-12. So, gentlemen, I know you both have some thoughts on this. Let me hear it. What's, what's the deal? Cam Akers, too high? So... I am actually kind of upset that James Robinson went right before Cam Akers here because I even further wanted to be able to really understand if you would be taking Cam Akers over what James Robinson <laughs> continues to do in this year. So you're lucky because I had an extra thing that I wanted to be able to drill you on there. It would have happened. It would have um, been the same. <laughs> to, to back this up, I mean, we're seeing some of the videos that are coming out on Twitter and stuff of his um, workout schedule, his rehab schedule, all the videos that are coming out with that. He's looking great. In this scenario, though, I look at, as we talked about, kind of the the, the trio of tragedy. Uh, I like that phrase, actually. Um, with Etienne and Dobbins also in the mix, both who probably have what you would maybe argue less uh, serious injuries, or at least ones that we've seen people come back from a little easier than something like an Achilles. Um, I don't want to lean on that Achilles kind of data in the past too much because, of course, we also haven't seen a running back probably that we'd all agree of, of Akers' caliber and of his draft capital. But with him having only played 12 games, I believe, last season, um, and the times that he was doing quite well was when Darrell Henderson was um, suspiciously missing uh, with an injury there. And now Darrell Henderson being given the keys to the car and doing fantastic I have a hard time raking him of at least, if we're going to say, of the three of the tragedy uh, trio there, him taking him first. I have a hard time rationalizing it. And so that's where I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts on where you would be taking him, and especially above those three, and even uh, in front of guys like uh, Miles Sanders uh, as well, who I know, again, not having the best season here, but he's not injured uh, to the extent that Cam Akers is there. Mike, do you have any kind of thoughts before we let Max uh, explain himself? <laughs> I guess my thoughts would, uh, you know, pertain a little bit more to roster construction here because at this point in the draft, Max, you had drafted, um, you know, your two running backs, two wide receivers. I personally think it would have been a slam dunk to take the guy who went right after you picked Akers, which is Matthew Stafford. Uh, so I think that that would have been the move I made. But, you know, in the context of choosing him over the two other injured running backs, I, I would argue that before all those injuries, Cam Akers had the brightest outlook and, you know, the, the, the best chance to be a workhorse back. But, yeah, I guess my only gripe is, is with, um, with context and who got taken after. Yeah. Good points. I will address as many as I can. So the, the, the first thing was, you actually brought up a good point, Mike, because I was eyeing Stafford mm-hmm. while we did this. And I was looking at the quarterbacks on the board. And, you know, again, when you're in these mocks, right, and you can't trade around the board, you're kind of at the mercy. you got to play the board a little bit sometimes. Yeah. And I was like, all sure. right, Matt Stafford, it's a good pick. There was some other quarterbacks later that I was hoping to maybe get. So that kind of factored in. I, I'm glad you brought up roster construction because – 
being able to take Najee Harris at the one in, in my in my first round and taking Swift at the second round, I feel like that gave me the ability to absorb the risk of Acres, mm-hmm. right? And there's obviously yeah. some risk here. There's risk with all the the tragedy, uh, the trio of tragedy, whatever I called it. It was beautiful when I said it. <laughs> and um, my thing is one, we're already seeing Acres through rehab, right? And I heard a fantasy analyst on a podcast bring this up recently. 10 years ago, if you had an ACL injury, it was like, that dude's done for two years. We're not seeing him forever. So mm-hmm. modern medicine continues to change. The sample size on Achilles is limited. I think all of us, I hope, speak now if you if, if this is inaccurate. I think all of us thought coming out of college, Cam Akers and what he did had a better profile than Darrell Henderson, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Rams offense puts these players in positions to succeed. And so I think... You know, people who talk about the running backs don't matter, and I promise I'll try to wrap this up quickly. I think Sean McVay, their scheme, that team, all the weapons that they have, the offensive line they have, most running backs are going to be productive in that system. I think that a lot of smart people, I mean, before the Cam Akers injury, if you were drafting early best ball teams or early seasonal teams, Cam Akers was like a one-two turn pick. Mm-hmm. Like, he yeah. was projected to be the guy because of the pedigree, because of the offense, because of the situation. So for me in the fifth round, I'm leaning upside. I'm not going to play scared on the injury because I think if he's not injured, he's a talent that's going in the first or second round. And I'm willing to take that risk right there. Fair. And I, I think <clears throat> well, well articulated. I, I think with the roster construction, I can see the ability to absorb that type of uh, risk there. I guess I still just hold to my personal beliefs that of the three, I would maybe not take him first as compared to some of the sure. others. But I think that's a fair and valid reason there. So, um, I mean, Dan, I mean, I don't think, do we really need to talk about Cooper Cup, Mike at the 5'11"? <laughs> that feels like good value. He's yeah. clearly got a connection with Stafford. Um, I mean, Dan, you are, are leaning at least into the upside as well, right? With the JK Dobbins. It, exactly. No. And, and, and so I certainly don't disagree at all that within this round, you, you, you take some bets, especially because this is kind of the last round that you can grab that true upside youth, uh, even if they were previously injured. Uh, and I just have a firm rule pretty much, uh, unless there's crazy scoring, uh, differences, you need two running backs within the first five rounds or you are in trouble. So I need to be able to leave here especially knowing that I was not going to see some picks for a while um, uh, after uh, my, my coinciding pick there. So I, I just figured it was, it was worth the gamble there. Well, Mike did not follow that rule. So let's see how his <laughs> team played out. So Dan curled it back around at the 601, taking Debo Samuel, who's playing out of his mind right now. Uh, Mike going with Mark Andrews at the 602. And I took Cortland Sutton at the 611. Um, Mike, you threw Dan's rule out the window, uh, reaching for tight end on the earlier side here. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on Mark Andrews. Cause I feel like the Debo pick is pretty, pretty standard on Dan's part. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I just took a look at, you know, I had already grabbed three wide receivers at this point and granted, let's just remind this is, uh, um, set up as tight end premium. Um, you know, over the last three years, Mark Andrews has just been a top five option as a lock. And he's locked up into a long-term contract, which or on a team that I just think loves utilizing him. I think he's going to be a consistent contributor for them for years, and is pretty. He he complements Lamar's um, you know play style and throwing style. Um, I think pretty well as a tight end, but I 
I don't know. I I seem to value. It. It's not that hard to value tight ends more than Max, uh, but I definitely <laughs> I think he Basically is. Just have to have a pulse. I think uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's just most important to me that a tight end has a secure role um, in an offense, and you know that they're going to get a consistent target share. And I just I love Mark Andrews and what I'm seeing from him this year. Yeah, and like I said, I rounded out this with Cortland Sutton. Um, he's a guy I've continually spoken highly of. I've, I did show, I've, we've done shows with Mike. I've done shows with Dan. I feel like Cortland Sutton comes up a lot. I mean, still still feels like a good pick at the end of the sixth mm-hmm. round, right? Yeah, no, no. I, th- I think the only thing that I would have, because it just as a interesting kind of tidbit, because you see you see Judy go before him. So I would always there's always that hard time of trying to decide who you're going to take in a dynasty league, right? So the the ADP did the work for you there. Um, I would sometimes maybe have a hard decision between uh, Cortland Sutton and someone who would went, went right after, which is uh, Deontay Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. Just because he he's he, uh, his target share is insane. Um, he's profiling. He doesn't have as much competition for any alpha role. Um, I would have a hard time deciding. I don't disagree with the Sutton pick at all, though. And I think overall, regardless, uh, on the board, it's great value. All right. Well, let's keep it moving. So I grabbed my first quarterback on the way back, took Ryan Tannehill at the 702. Mike maybe broke a couple hearts grabbing Mac Jones at the 711. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, Dan took his uh, one of his favorite backfield teammates, Damian Harris. So I love seeing Mac Jones get pushed up boards here. He is yeah. somebody that pretty much everybody on this show continually was talking about we want mac jones over zach wilson um all off season and and you know throughout the season so mike mac jones you've seen enough he's the guy now i've definitely seen enough i mean if you just hear to um about just how much the patriots love him and what he's come on it come in and done you know like he he won out the job outright against Cam Newton in camp for a reason. He's a consistent, you know, I'm getting into the intangibles off the field, but I think he's a very safe investment uh, for a quarterback that just fits in his team's system so well. Uh, and it's just been, it's been cool watching him every Sunday as a Pats fan. So I, I, I try not to let bias take, take a hold. Uh, I really think that he is just built for the NFL. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's, it's a no brainer there for me getting a young quarterback. I, I thought that was a steal, uh, for me at that point in the draft. Dan Mac Jones went behind Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, and Tua. Is this correct? Is this where we should be trending? Uh, man, I, I would have him above likely all three of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker's a little hard, but it's just this season again, we're just not seeing the, the, the ability with team scheme to unleash him and throw more. Uh, So he's always going to be capped there. I think if you had uh, similar schemes, then maybe it'd be a different story, but to keep it short and sweet, I I really do believe Mac Jones was a great value there. Um, There's no shame. Also, like some people um, are still kind of concerned. He doesn't have upside. Well, first off, look at the, characters that he's kind of playing with right now he doesn't have a star-studded uh wide receiving core they're all great they all work together well the Patriots still got something going on but I think that upside is yet to be seen because it's untapped second thing when you want in your uh, QB2 is he is stable he's not going to be uh uprooted by someone else coming in and taking his job someone that is going to be nice and consistent for you with uh, bouts of upside someone great I think Mike to pair with uh, Kyler Murray there where you know there's a guy that's gonna you're gonna be able to play uh, in your QB1 spot plenty but Mac Jones can kind of fill in where you need to buy weeks and just as your QB2 in general 
Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was thinking about him where I took Tannehill, and I thought mm. there was a solid chance he made it back. So, Mike, yeah. you robbed me. Um, <laughs> robbed me too. Dan, on the turn, another very solid to me, always seemingly underrated quarterback, goes Kirk Cousins at the 801. Mike takes Cam Akers' backup to Ralph <laughs> Henderson at the 802. Damn it. And I round out the eighth round with uh, show favorite Rashad Bateman at the 811. So, oh, Mike, I heard you laughing. Let's talk a little Henderson and your projections for him moving forward. I just, I think, uh, here's the thing, Max. When you were talking earlier about, um, you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't mention off the show. Okay, on no, the air, no, Mike. no, no. Earlier in the podcast, <laughs> earlier in the podcast, I do agree to a certain extent that the Rams are going to, they, they choose a guy to kind of, just really run into the ground as they did with Todd Gurley. They, you know, with Cam Akers, they were using him as a workhorse. Um, and just, they, they usually they're going to put them in a good position to succeed, especially with how off, how efficient their offense is in general. Um, but when I watch Darrell Henderson run the ball, I just, I really think that he's a lot more talented than what people are giving him credit for. As far as, you know, I don't think it's just that the offensive line is opening up huge holes for him and that he's getting, you know, just he's not falling into the end zone for for six points every week. I think the talent that he's displayed and the ability, most importantly, to stay healthy this year. I know that he had a rib injury um, that was like week three or so. He's putting it all together, being given the opportunity to do so. And let's not forget, I, I this guy was a top three round pick right was he a third rounder for yeah he was a third rounder so you know it's not like he's coming out of left field somewhere I think that even it's going to take some time for Cam Akers to come back I think that Henderson has proven enough to have a substantial timeshare with Akers next year and the thing is he's also a free agent after next year and the Rams I know if they see that Akers uh is doing pretty well uh coming back they are in need of some draft picks so i don't think it's crazy to think that maybe they trade henderson at some point for some draft capital in there at that point you're probably getting henderson as a lead back on another team so i just think i'm drafting talent here especially with comparison to the other running backs on the board at that point i think i had my picking of ronald jones uh aj Dillon, mike davis so i'm going to henderson there all day Mike, yeah, I no, we were given. I was giving you. Oh, go ahead, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I love you bringing up the the, the rookie uh, draft um, picks and stuff that the Rams have or lack thereof. I think I saw a tweet where it's like <laughs> one dude from the fifth round is going to show up at rookie minicamp because they just have no one else they're <laughs> going to be able to draft. So they're going to need to have this opportunity to be able to offload. Uh, some people so that's that's one aspect the other aspect is like it kind of think about it, the meme of like why not both like i think there's this weird kind of mentality that in order for acres to be successful uh darrell henderson cannot be successful and i've we've seen plenty of rb tandems work very well uh over past uh, kind of fantasy stuff and it doesn't need to be this either or they have the ability to be very complementary with one another. We've seen it with Alvin Kamara uh, and Ingram. We've seen it with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. It doesn't always happen, and the scheme needs to lend itself the ability to have that. But, Mike, you brought up a good point that I really don't think uh, – I don't want it to go overlooked is, yes, they ran Gurley into the ground. How did that work out for him? I know you can't mm-hmm. predict if someone's going to get arthritis, but I really do th- believe that McVeigh is going to be 
perhaps a little bit more balanced in how he's going to kind of orchestrate his RB core um, than he was previously. And he really, like previously, he really didn't have uh, many other people to be able to complement with Gurley, at least in his earlier years. Now with this duo that you've literally proven that Darrell Henderson can handle something like this over the course of a year, um, I don't think Cam Akers people should be absolutely terrified of it, but I also don't think that they should be saying that this is not a possibility for him to be a reasonably good running back uh, for next year and going into the future. Yeah, I was giving Mike a hard time about the Henderson pick <laughs> off the air. And I mean, Henderson was a good prospect. Like we were all excited yeah. about Henderson when he came in, kind of underwhelmed a little bit as a rookie. And then obviously, you know, they aim to at least give him competition, if not replace him with the Cam Akers pick last year. I think a timeshare is probably going to happen. I just tend to be the person that thinks it's not going to be as even of a time split. I think Cam Akers is probably going to wind up winning more of the work. So that's where I'm on acres. I still like Henderson as a mid round pick, especially Mike. You said there's not a zillion running backs at this point Mm -hmm. in the draft and you needed to take a guy. Um, I don't want to spend too, too much time on this because I feel like I have another pick I'm going to have to defend in a second. Um, But Rashad Bateman at eight 11. Do we all like that? I do like it. I do like it. I think it's interesting um, to be able to kind of take a look at what's going on right now and say someone, someone like a Michael Pittman, uh, wouldn't be in your kind of radar at that point. Uh, just seeing what he's doing this year, right? Again, we're having this draft right now, so we're getting to see what other players are, are doing right now. So he's one where I'd be like, oh, interesting that that's happening. Elijah Moore is another one, but um, Bateman was going before Elijah Moore uh, in the drafts regardless. And then there's some other guys that we'll talk about later on that like maybe post-context, it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, why would I p- uh, pick him here. But you you know that we were so in on him um, during the the process of uh, rookie drafts and stuff. So uh, I think he's got all the potential in the world. Um, I just really want to start to see the consistency there and uh, have Lamar Jackson unleash him there. Mike, any thoughts? No, I definitely uh, I like to pick a lot. Really, it's only Michael Pittman would have been the other guy that I probably would have taken over him um, just because he's showing that he's an alpha wide receiver right now. But um you know, you could you could make the argument that the Colts QB situation is not exactly stable, um, yep. even though it probably is. They're going to stick with Carson Wentz for a bit, but I got no qualms with it. Uh oh, might all need to uh, have some apologies issued to Max Andrus in his bold prediction. So uh, let's keep <laughs> some tabs True. on that. So I'm just going to defend this before you guys have the chance. I took Daniel Jones at the nine two. Daniel Jones has been making some fantasy points happen yeah. this year with like a pretty limited cast, uh, supporting cast. So sometimes you have to play the board a little bit here, right? And because quarterback was drying up and I had a plan on taking another one after, I was like, I'm going to take Jones. He's got some athleticism, has some upside, was a high rookie pick, leaning a little bit into the pedigree. I want to say off the top of my head, he's like QB 16 or 17 this year. So he's still mm-hmm. making stuff happen, yep. I think just leaning into right potential a little bit. Um, Mike, you took Fournette at the nine eleven, and then Dan maybe preying on some not so up to date ADPs. Mike Williams <laughs> yeah. at the nine twelve. Yeah, that's, so that's steel. just uh, obvious. As soon as I saw that, it was and in just as, this is again probably something to just. Uh, I know it's midseason right now, so you get the big chance to exploit it. But Max, you and I always talk about ADP is the general consensus in where people are taking uh, certain players. 
there's always value, right? This is literally even just to reinforce that now, still, even with the ADP as it is, Mike Williams is buried down there. He would not be going there uh, all the time if we were drafting uh, fully into next season there. So loved mm-hmm. being able to get him there. And just a nice reminder that there's always values going into each and every draft. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you both this, and I'm not saying that my take is that Mike Williams isn't good, but I mean, is this version of Mike Williams that we've seen through eight weeks? Like, is this what we're projecting going forward? Just curious for you guys. Mike, you want to go first? I I (laughs) immediately passes the question. I think uh, I won't lie. Um, you know that I was I was definitely hyping up Mike Williams going into this season too, but we've seen that he can get shut down. He definitely can have these these boom and bust weeks. So that's kind of where I see him heading at this point because teams have to make the decision, are we going to stop Keenan Allen? Are we going to stop Mike Williams? Jared Cook has looked super reliable at times when those wide receivers are taken out of the equation uh, for Justin Herbert. I think it's tough with Mike Williams. I think that he'll settle in uh, at the end of the season as a mid to back end wide receiver too, personally. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that you could see some huge ten plus target games to come for sure. But plenty of duds too. Yeah. Before right. we start, uh, absolutely confirming, uh, still going to see a full a healthy season. That's one thing mm-hmm. that we've not seen out of him for quite some time. Um, so it's it's nice to see this uh, as it currently stands. But I do feel like this season is at least a little different because you have someone who can finally unlock the skill set that he has, um, both from a quarterback perspective and from a scheme perspective. Uh, you had them going in saying he he could be the Michael Thomas of of this. Um, this team scheme and everyone was like okay yeah sure right and then we started to see his route tree drastically open uh while still utilizing what i feel feel like is one of his best abilities which is down the field contested deep ball catch (laughs) so Mm -hmm. if they can continue to utilize him there uh, Mike, I wouldn't disagree. I, I don't think we're going to see him finish truly in the top 12. I think you're going to see him more as a wide receiver, too, of some sort. Um, but as compared to where he was clearly being drafted, that is value all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's not playing much in the slot. I just looked it up. Only uh, only about 12% of his routes. So kind of winning on the outside. Yeah, yeah I just exactly. think it's something to keep tabs on. Yeah. Like these fifth year breakouts, right? Um, it's very interesting when a guy turns it on all of a sudden, you wonder if it's sustainable or not. Don't disagree. But let's flip to a guy who hasn't really turned it on yet because Dan at the 1001 took Terrace Marshall. Um, Mike right after him snags Rondell Moore. And then I ended the round with a bang by taking Derek Carr, who's actually playing out of his mind this yeah. season, especially when you consider the circumstances. Dan, keeping the flame lit for Terrace Marshall, we assume. I am. I, I always kind of like, kind of say like after uh, or during round ten is where you start to like really go against ADP, get your guys, follow your process, etc. Um, it was hard, actually. I probably sat with this the longest. I think uh, before I made my final pick there with Rondell Moore sitting on the board. Um, we've seen Rondell Moore at least do a little bit more than Terrace Marshall has. Um, but I think I look at this uh, projecting forward enough where I'm not entirely sure 
if we're going to see uh, Robbie Anderson's role continue. I mean, basically, he's, he hasn't done anything this year, and I think mm. that's probably even going to continue further. Um, in my process, and Max, I, I believe you were kind of feeling the same too, like I feel like he profiles more as a true alpha. Uh, I think his overall prospect profile holds a little stronger for me. Um, Marshall's been held out by some injury, like concussion stuff too, not even like recurring injury type stuff that we would have had there before. So just had to follow my gut um, at this point, again, to be able to have some upside with a guy that I do truly believe could have a lot more upside than he's shown right now. Made that call, but I, uh, I don't hate the Rondell Moore pick right after because clearly that's what I was debating. Yeah, they were very close in rookie drafts, right? Mm -hmm. Typically, at least for a while before the Elijah Moore hype got out of control, they were pretty much going back to back in most rookie drafts, regardless of where they were. And they still almost kind of are in this ADP, right? Elijah Moore, uh, Mike Williams, Tedesh Marshall, Rondo Moore. Like you had both the Moores and Marshall. Um, so it's, it still is about that way because they haven't really separated for one another. And in my opinion, take your pick. And I don't think we need to dive on Rondell Moore. I think we all are yeah. big fans. Uh, clearly, Mike showing he's a fan, too. That's right. Um, Derek Carr at the 10-11. Mm. I think the guy is just around 30 years old, um, playing really well with one of our favorite weapons, Dan, who yep. I snagged later in this draft. Yes, sir. Um, Derek Carr has been playing well. It feels like walking away with him as your third quarterback in Superflex, I was actually like, that That feels like a very solid pick to me, just value-wise. Yep. Absolutely. Sure. Um, I, I would say he's kind of like uh, the slightly younger version of the Kirk Cousins, which is just reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the back end um, QB1 to uh, early QB2 type of uh, production every single year. Uh, to be able to grab him as your, your QB3 in this scenario, love it. Don't, uh, don't hate it. He, for whatever reason, he's just the, kind of that quote-unquote easy boring choice um but it helps you win games uh year after year so you've got to be able to just uh take some of those guys instead of the ones that you're chasing upside that very well might not exist yeah so comes back around i took basically monopolized the ravens passing game and mike i'm gonna give you first shot this one because i haven't tossed one marquise brown in the 11th round i think he's currently like the wide receiver nine in ppr Felt like decent value. I was not a huge Marquise Brown believer when he was coming out, but he's improved every single year on an offense that doesn't really throw the ball a ton. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like it at this point in the draft, especially, um, you know, taking a guy to pair with, with Bateman, you know. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I still have, um, you know, some some reservations as far as, how consistently he can keep this up once Bateman uh, then takes over. But I think it's just kind of an insurance policy for yourself that if one of them goes down, the other is definitely going to see an uptick in volume. Um, so yeah, I, I have no, no issues with this pick at all. Yeah. And I think they complement each other real well, like schematically on a football field, mm-hmm. you have a deep threat and a guy who just crushes the short and intermediate area. Yeah, exactly. um, I, I think it could be, it could be surprising if Lamar continues to air it out a little bit. Yeah. So Mike, you went with Tony Pollard at the 11-11. And Dan, Pat Fryermuth, who you said you're going to project. I know we're not supposed to talk about off the air on the show, <laughs> but I think you're projecting him going even higher in startups. Took him at the end of the 11th round. Yep. Yeah, Mike, do you want to uh, talk about Pollard first? Um, no, I, I don't think there's too much to talk about there, especially I just wanted to grab another running back. Um, as, as we talked about, I did commit the uh, sin of not leaving the fifth round with two running backs. So I wanted to make sure that I had a high upside play in there as the, you know, the 
elite handcuff um, to Zeke and still somewhat relevant even when Zeke's on the field. So I like it. Those no. are just Dan's rules. Yeah, now. right. I don't have to follow <laughs> Dan's rules. <laughs> uh, um, so Pat Frymuth, I'm I'm big fan. Continue to be a big fan. Um, it's not like we've seen him absolutely <clears throat> light it up, um, where you are definitely being able to project what he's going to do going into next season yet. But even, uh, I mean, it's the, the beauty of us doing this, even after this past week, Eric Ebron was out. Uh, Freimuth, I think, got like six targets and a touchdown. Like his red zone ability was always something we were talking about and lauding. Um, I think you're going to see, I mean, you're basically kind of getting to see what he's probably going to have uh, going into next year with Juju out. I don't see Juju returning to the Steelers there. So that's another pass catcher that probably continues to open things up that was blocking him for the first part of this uh, season. So yeah, I do believe that we're probably going to continue to see uh, Firemuth, as uh, as I've said before, continue his uh, his ascension and definitely be picked higher than this uh, next year. I love the kid. Uh, extreme upside and just the profile. Uh, they call him Baby Gronk for a reason. Uh, it's going to take some time. If you pick someone like this, know that you're probably going to be streaming other tight ends um, for the meantime until he really comes to, to full light. But I wanted to grab someone in a dynasty format looking towards 2020 that I felt like was a, a good value pick. Yeah, he's playing some snaps in the slot. Um, was just checking it out. I mean, 17% slot rate for a guy, you know, that, like you said, I mean, Juju, that's typically his role in the exactly. team, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, you can compare it to somebody like Kyle Pitts who's playing double that in the slot, right? I mean, yeah. Fryermuth was Mike Gusecki, a true kind of in-line role. Yeah, he was a true in-line two-way tight end. So it's cool yeah. to see him, you know, the offense is opening up. And um, yeah, it's a good pick. I'm a little more curious about your next pick. Yeah. And maybe I'll get Mike to weigh in on this. So Elijah Mitchell yep. at the 12-1. Is he going to be a thing next year, Mike? Is Elijah Mitchell going to continue to be what you know we've seen in just a couple game samples so far? Possibly. <laughs> That's where I'm at with Elijah Mitchell. Very definitive is, answer. Very, very, and I did not want to give one because I don't know what's going on in Kyle Shanahan's mind. Um I just I think that he has been great so far. Obviously, um, I'm a little bit concerned about the fact that he's rarely used in the passing game, um, so he doesn't have a ton of upside in PPR. Um, and I just think that the you know it the 49ers definitely have a, a good solid group of running backs that can be pretty darn relevant in fantasy um, any given week. But I definitely I like what I've seen from Mitchell so far for sure, and especially in the context of the running backs that were available um, here. You know, Kenyon Drake, I would definitely take Mitchell over him. Gus Edwards, obviously, for many reasons, I would take Elijah Mitchell before him. But I don't know. I I, I think I think you could see him go into next year with the role, but I think that a lot can change in one year. They could easily draft another new running back. Um, after Trace Irwin seems to have not worked out whatsoever. I don't know what he did or said to Kyle Shanahan to make him pissed <laughs> off. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to give a very wish-washy answer to this one. Is it too soon, Dan, to say Trace Sermon's just not ever going to be a thing? No, because again, as to, to reiterate with Mike, I, we never know what Shanahan's thinking, right? Uh, I think a guy that we all really liked uh, going into the season where you're like, what the heck happened to him is uh, Brandon Ayuk. Like Shanahan, like I, I don't know if we're talking next level grudges. Uh, uh, there's been some other coaches in the past that we know that have uh, held those. Don't know what's going on in the mind. 
But what I do know, in general, is that Elijah Mitchell has been doing well with the situation that he's been given. Um, he absolutely has a, a reasonable profile, um, at least when it comes to speed, etc. He's not. A, oh, like he's a, a monster a, athlete. Yeah, reasonable yeah. is. is yeah, that's fair. I don't, he's exactly, a monster I don't even athlete. want to sell him uh, sell him short there. So that's that's my take with the 49ers backfield in general. Always is take some value where you can get it. I'm not like technically a lot of people would be looking at this right now, being like, why aren't you drafting him higher? He's the starting running back of the 49ers at the 12th right. round at this point. Like I will take that value all day as my RB four. Um, and then hope that, again, that he continues to be a part of that mix is a great flex play going forward. Uh, and if he proves out to be more fantastic, then I, I got a little upside on my bet. Uh, otherwise, he seems to be a, a good bye week fill in uh, or flex that I can utilize on that occasion. So this is where you got to take some of those swings. But to be getting a potential starting running back, if they do really ride him into the next year in the 12th round, that's I was doing it all day. All right. I do like the value there. We're just curious if you guys thought he was going to continue to be this type of workhorse for them mm-hmm. yeah, moving forward. Totally so fair. Mike goes Carson Wentz at the 12-2. Um, and I actually took Kadarius Tony at go. the 12-11, mm-hmm. which also kind of felt a little value-ish considering some of the flashes we've seen. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, any 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 critical thoughts on either the Wentz or the Tony picks? Um, I think it's it's funny. I, I think these are both guys actually that we've maybe dogged on a couple times on the podcast overall. Um, I know Tony. Uh, we were just kind of like, oh man, like okay, uh, you got another Henry Ruggs overdraft in the first round uh, by the the Giants. He's proven to be more than that, right? Um, and then you have Carson Wentz, where we've been all right, the Golda boy that had one good year, and now he's all still up there. Now you look at this value. It's like, uh, yeah, I'll take Carson Wentz in the uh, in the twelfth uh, in Superflex at that point. So he's actually, I mean, if you look at PFF, I, I'm pretty sure he's been leading um, in uh, a couple really good stats lately. Where it's like, okay, yeah, he's pulling it together. He's he's not just totally panicking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still been some throws that uh, I think even this past week he had a pretty terrible. Oh my god, he literally <laughs> blew the game for those. <laughs> he basically blew the game, um, which is kind of <laughs> resorts back to okay, uh, that's Carson Wentz being Carson Wentz. But again, QB three. 12th round, take it all day. And Kadarius, Tony, same thing. Seen plenty of, of great upside there. These are value picks. Yeah, and Tony, I think we were down for the right reasons in where, in where we evaluate players, Dan, yeah. right? So I, I don't think Mike was on any of the shows where we really went in-depth on some of the rookies. Mm-hmm. But Tony's a guy that just pretty much all his production in his final year, um, great athlete, but just not really as much of a box checker. But this is why dynasty's dynamic right like you've seen some of these flashes you've seen him get the ball and he's a first round pick he's gonna get fed yep. so maybe he should have been a little higher in the rookie drafts um but yeah and and mike i agree you know qb3 carson wentz feels like some good value there mm-hmm. curled around to the 13th round with a show favorite had to reach down the sleeper boards for him gentlemen. i know that's <laughs> wild <laughs> brian edwards in the 13th round uh, I don't think we need to go over him. Dan and I have talked about him way too much on this Absolutely. show already. Love it. Next. <laughs> Mike Mike takes his guy, Jacoby Myers. We did a bunch of Myers talk a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Christian Kirk at the three or 13, 12, Dan, feels yeah. like some good value. He's like wide receiver 22, 23 22, right now, something like that least. currently. Exactly. So, again, they're spreading the ball around uh, to the dismay of a lot of Hopkins owners right now. Um, and it's because you can, it's because it, it plays are extended a little bit. You got Kyler Murray able to move around. So, uh, don't sleep on Christian Kirk. Who's been putting up some really good numbers pretty mm-hmm. consistently. 
Mike, any additional thoughts there? Otherwise, we'll just rapid fire these last yep. few rounds. Yeah, I think it, the, the one thought I had here is that I was very close to taking Kirk ahead of Myers, um, but obviously already had Rondell Moore paired up with Murray, so I'll take one of the Cardinals at that point. And Jacoby Myers at least seems to be the wide receiver one for the Patriots. So if I can get a yeah. wide receiver one for a team with an accurate quarterback, especially in a PPR league too, in the 13th round, I'll, that's a no-brainer for me. So that's why I went Myers. And Brian Edwards could yeah, see an yeah. uptick in, in usage soon to, due to unfortunate yeah. events. So yes. we'll see. Unfortunate. Um, so let's round it out. So Dan at the 14-1 goes Sam Darnold. Love the Sam. It's keeping the flame lit for Sam Darnold. Uh, um, <laughs> Mike takes Dalton Schultz at the 14-2. And I, this is why, if you guys want to talk about why I don't invest in tight ends, it's because this kind of stuff happens every single year. And listen, you know, sleeper bots, you got to get your act together a little bit. Some of these ADPs were, uh, were a little mm-hmm. all over the place in some of the picks. But Dawson Knox at the 14-11. I mean, he was free or unbelievably cheap everywhere this yep. year. As Logan Thomas was that guy. Yeah, and yep. Schultz too. Yeah, credit to Wes. Wes came on the show. Yep. You know, maybe the Cam Newton talk didn't go so great, but uh, <laughs> the Dalton Schultz is panning out. Oh, yeah. It's really panning out. So Dawson Knox, Dalton Schultz, like the tight end position outside of like Kelsey and the last couple of years, Waller. I mean, Kittle hasn't even really... Obviously, he's amazing, but he just hasn't always been yeah. on the field to give you the fantasy points. Yeah. It's like you can invest in some of these guys so late. Mike, obviously, you know, your your Logan Thomas love was put on IR <sighs> this year for a little bit, which was unfortunate. But these guys come around, and that's why when people ask why I don't spend up a tight end, this is, this is that reason. Love seeing two guys that are probably, what, top eight, maybe higher yeah. right now yeah. um, in, in PPR leagues, like go in the 14th round of a dynasty startup. Yeah, I think it's, I, I mean, it's a no-brainer for you at that point. You definitely needed a tight end. Um, yeah, I always yeah. need a tight end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. I just think that these guys at the end of this draft were just screaming values, and I think that ADP, as you mentioned, came into play here uh, with these guys being so far down the board because I think that both of them um, could be legit. You know, they, they could stick in, in fantasy um, as far as relevance for a while here. Oh, they will rise. As soon as yeah. the dynasty rankings are updated, these guys are both right. going yeah, up right. boards. Um, Dan, anything to add before we close it out with a, a slew of Mr. Irrelevance in the 15th round? <laughs> nope, this is good. I think you guys covered everything there. All right. I took Tyler Johnson. Stashed him in redraft recently, too, with nice. AB being hurt. Um, Tyler Johnson, always a fan. Mike, I like the Van Jefferson pick. Thank He's you. somebody that's con- kind of continued to see some uptick in yeah. usage. And then Dan, named Mr. Irrelevant, who's been an RB1 fill-in for a lot of people this yes, year, Mr. Khalil Herbert. Gentlemen, I'll give you the floor. Dan, kick it off. All right. Yeah, to close it out with uh, Khalil Her- Herbert there, um, I've liked what I've seen. Um, he, he was like one of the only ones, uh, I think it was the Bucks game. Uh, they were playing the Bucks, and he was like, tearing the bucks run defense apart who yep who does that <laughs> you literally see teams entirely abandon the run game entirely against the bucks they're like nope we're not even gonna do it we just we we don't want to go up against that um and you love the fact that it's probably the bears who are like we have no other options so <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to run it Listen, justin it fields looked better last <laughs> oh he did he did he did so to credit to them there but um 
I, he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Mike, mm -hmm. you and I have chatted about him uh, yeah. a couple times in some leagues. I picked him up in a good plenty now. Uh, going to be really interesting to see what happens. But I liked him um, going into this year. And he was someone that I didn't get enough of because I didn't think he would get the opportunity. And just a continual reminder, get guys that you like and think are good because at some point they might get their opportunity and then you won't be able to get them later. Mike. Tell your followers who you accumulated with this T Higgins over Jamar Chase love <laughs> that you were going to throw these up on Twitter. Let them know where to find you and what they should do because we want to know whose team came out on top. Of course. So I am going to be posting uh, these teams, these completed teams. So we got um, three different teams that I'll be posting up for a poll on the at DFF Moose account on Twitter. So if you head there, You'll be able to let us all know who you think came out on top and why you think it was me. Um, and, yeah, it'll be great. We'd love to see those results. Yeah, Dan slaughtered me last time with uh, <laughs> a team that I openly said on the podcast. It's not how I usually draft. I made that mistake once, drafted for real this time. There so, we go. Hey, all we'll, see, uh, we'll see what we can get this time. I'm excited. All right, gentlemen. Well, we're at 50 minutes, and that's Jeez. way longer than we planned on. So – Hope that everyone is brought the a show. snack, right? <laughs> that is the show. Oh man, we gotta we gotta get both outros for you guys. Maybe we'll just do Dan. I feel like that's we'll, fine. We'll <laughs> now, nah, Mike, we'll we'll have you jump in. Too. All right. So, getting out of here for today. This is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs>